Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a wonderful day so far. It is already halfway through February and time continues to travel at speeds that are just ridiculous and baffling to me. You know, especially now that I've been doing my monthly reflections on the podcast, you know, I've just been noticing how much quicker things move when you have endpoints and checkpoints and when you're actually consciously stopping to slow down and say, okay, what happened this week? What happened today? And so it's just beautiful being able to observe speed of time while also being present in all of it. And to help us go deeper into the conversations of life, love, and everything in between, I am so grateful and excited to be introducing this week's guest, Mr. Steve D'Annunzio. So Steve is a fascinating human being, and I just can't wait for all of you to soak in this man's brilliance and wisdom. To give you a little bit of background on who he is, Steve is the founder of the Soul Purpose Institute, which teaches students how to discover their life's purpose and evolve their product, service, or passions into a business that is powerful, purposeful, and profitable. He's also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, which is an international think tank for spiritual leaders and individuals who are at the forefront of human transformation. Steve believes that humanity is currently exiting the scientific revolution and transitioning into the age of service. And as a result, he believes in all sorts of incredible opportunities that are arriving when we can lean into curiosity, listen to our passions, and serve people from a place of truth and love. And I met Steve at a retreat I was at to close out the year, and I just remember being around this man's energy, and his heart was so pure. He's a musician, he's an artist, he's a spiritual guide, and he's somebody who's really driven to help everyone that he meets access greater levels of love and service within themselves. And I just loved this episode around finding purpose, defining purpose, and really even adding some context to what it means to live a purpose-driven life. And so, I mean, we talk so many different concepts, everything from the differentiation between a soul's purpose and a human purpose, what role passion plays in you discovering your purpose, how to change your relationship with fear, the role of the ego, how to leverage the idea of death and to live a more fulfilling life, power of learning, really what your body is communicating with you, and so much more. I mean, I loved this episode. And, you know, I I love bringing on individuals like Steve that I can personally learn from. I mean, he is such a guide and such a teacher for many. And I just felt such such an honor to be able to be on the other side of the recording screen with him and really lean into his own wisdom around what it means to live a passionate, joyful, and fulfilling life. And I know all of you listening are going to soak in this man's wisdom. He creates all sorts of resources that are available for you guys in the show notes. So make sure to listen to the entire episode. And if anything resonates, reach out to Steve and let him know that this episode was helpful for you. Reach out to me on social media, on Instagram, tag me with your biggest comments and takeaways. Leave us a review. Let me know what's working. Let me know what you're feeling because that's really what I want to know. It's not just what you're learning. It's what are you feeling after you listen to these episodes? Because 
at the feeling level is where I think most transformation occurs. When you can truly feel something that resonates in your heart, that's when it inspires change and action. And at the end of the day, action is what creates our lives. So let me know what you're learning. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, well, that means that every single time I release a new episode, it falls straight into your inbox. And for me, please be kind to yourself, love yourself, give yourself a giant hug for making it through the day, for making it through the year. And know that no matter what happens outside of you, you always, you always, you always have the way that you view the world and you always have yourself inside of that journey. So take care of yourself, be with you and give yourself the permission to gracefully dance this dance called life. So I love you all and I'm so excited for this week's episode, but without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Steve Denunzio. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having a brilliant day so far. I am so excited to be hanging out with my main man, Mr. Steve. How are you? Good, sir. I'm great, brother. How are you? Good to see you, Raj. I am so, so, so good. And I'm so excited to have you here. I mentioned this earlier. We were catching up just how much fun we had in Mexico and how special of an experience that was just being able to wrap up the year and really celebrate the solstice and 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 really bring in that energy into in such a profound space. And I, I have a lot to learn from you. And I'm just so excited for the opportunity to go deep and to bring your wisdom to the forefront of all of our listeners. So excited, excited for that. Honored to be here, buddy. So, all right, I'm going to dive right in. So one thing, uh, one thing that really sort of draw me or drew me to, to you specifically was how you were creating almost like a framework, a thought process and, and giving legs to an idea of the soul and then bringing the idea of purpose into, into that conversation. So what is a soul purpose and, and, and what is a soul's purpose and, and how does that differentiate between maybe a human's purpose? Can you just touch on the overarching idea there and then we can yeah. kind of take the conversation wherever it needs to go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so many people are living by what I call inherited purpose, which is they look at the society and they look at the landscape of the cultural rule book and they said, you know, if I'm really smart and really good at school, I'll become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. If I'm not really good in school, but I'm good with my hands, I'll become a plumber or an electrician or whatever. And all those things are worthy careers. But the great truth is those might be what we call inherited purpose, which is what you think you should do according to what society tells you. And when people living by this tribal rule book or cultural rule book really find unhappiness. Because what they're really doing is shooting all over themselves. <laughs> so what we want to have people understand is, how do I discover this three-in-one oil that I am? You know, there used to be this old oil. I'm telling you how old I am now. Called three-in-one oil. And, you know, you know you have a body. You know you have a mind. You know you have a spirit. But people, you know, years ago in the 1066 to about 1400, we lived in what were called the dark ages of the physical realm. And we're currently living in the dark ages of the mental realm. Everybody's stuck in this reality distortion field called the ego, and they don't see it. And it's all about control, being right, got to win, got to dominate, got to be, you know, my way, got to get my selfish desires fulfilled. When in fact, you start by looking at what am I curious about? What lights me up? And what we're doing is instead of 
we're looking at inherited purpose where I just should be lucky I had a job. What I do is I follow the biology. I was with Stephen Kotler last week, who's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And he was talking about all these personal development programs I see out there are shit. And the reason they're shit is because they're trying to scale the personality of the leader. So you see, you know, like, I don't want to blame Tony Robbins because Tony's terrific. But let's say you see Tony Robbins. I want to be just like Tony. Tony's unique. You're never going to be Tony. But what does scale is biology. What does that mean? Well, let's look at the neurochemicals and let's scientifically look at what are you curious about? Curiosity is the basic fuel. So when you start following your curiosity, then you start to look at, well, what am I passionate about? When I'm curious, I get a low dose of norepinephrine and dopamine in my brain. So now I'm getting motivated. Now I don't, you know, if I'm doing something that I, like so many people are enslaved by a job, they go to this accounting firm and they're making 60 grand, they friggin' hate it. You know, they're an electrician and they actually hate it, right? So what I would ask you to do is, first of all, what are you curious about? Yeah. Number two, what are you passionate about? Because passion is an intersection of multiple curiosities that gives you a high dose of norepinephrine, dopamine, and oxytocin. Now you're getting really excited. So like you started this call and you're like, yo, 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 I'm so excited. You're not manufacturing that stuff. That's who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to touch on passion and and purpose, actually, because I think that both of those are very interesting ideas. You know, like Mm -hmm. I've always found that passion is something that's experienced in the moment. It's something that's that's here, that's now. And I and the deeper I go into presence, the deeper, the more passionate of a life that I live. But yep. purpose for me feels like it's something that I can almost live into. It's like something mm-hmm. I can just it's like it's like a guiding light. It's it's almost like a like a map, if you would, of 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 who I am, my constitution, where I'm going. So how do both of those play hand in hand? Like is it simple as living into your curiosities every day? But I mean, sometimes I feel like my curiosities change. Like I, I, I am, I'm curious about so many things. Like I'm curious about life. I'm curious about work. I'm curious about love. And so how do, like, if you're trying to live into your soul's purpose, how does the idea of passion almost play into that sort of overarching map that people can live into in all the different areas of their lives? Great question. So the first thing is curiosity, which starts to point you in a direction. You're being authentic and true to yourself. Yeah. Second is your passion. You're starting to put it in a direction that says, wow, this is an intersection of multiple curiosities. I'm not only curious, I'm actually good at this thing, right? And it gives me energy when I do it. Now I'm getting high dose. I'm scaling the biology. But now you ask the exact right question. The third thing is purpose. What is purpose? Purpose is a cause bigger than yourself. Mm. It's a cause bigger than you. So it's when you're turning your look outward and you're saying, wow, we're actually entering a new age at the risk of sounding new agey, which I don't care. We are exiting the age of information and exiting the scientific revolution. And we're moving into the age of service, which is the transformational revolution, where we're here to transform each other's lives. It's not just enough to transact. We are transforming. Yeah. And so what you start to do with purpose is say, who can I serve? Whose life gets better by me doing what I was just curious about in the beginning? Like I was curious about life purpose. I was curious about, is there a marriage of spirituality, serving people, making a living? You know, I started this 30 years ago. It was not in vogue. Yeah. Now everybody's Facebook page is filled with it, but are they living it? And so purpose is huge. You hit on a really big thing. And there are basically four basic domains of how we're serving people. 
the four basic domains that you're going to see in any personality test, whether it's Colby or DISC or Strengths Finders or Human Design, there's kind of four archetypes and they fall in line with what we did in Mexico, really, right? We did this elemental meditation, right? Where right. we went through all the elements every day we were honoring the elements. You know, if you're fiery, you're a catalyst. You know, you're an action. You make it happen. You know, yeah. you're a catalyzer. That's you. That's what you do. You're a manifester, right? If you're a dreamer, if you're the air energy, you're a creator. You might be an artist, right? Where you want to be in a constant creation. If you're a humanist, if you got your feet on the ground, you're that earth person, right? You want to be supporting the cause of a visionary or a catalyst, right? So you can say kind of that classic four archetypes, right? Earth, water, fire, air. And each of those represents a domain of soul purpose, talents, and services. You're bringing up some points for me that I'm, I'm forced to dive deeper into for myself, actually. As you were speaking, I have this, this question that continues to come up for me, and, or at least an observation that I'm learning right now, is before you can actually find your purpose, it sounds like you actually need to get curious about your passions. And that's a really interesting point that doesn't get talked about enough. Like I, and I, I would love for you to expand on why that is, because I think that a lot of people are trying to jump the gun to get to that service piece mm-hmm. without actually doing the self-discovery work, without actually doing the work to find something that lights them up. So why is it important to find something that lights you up before you begin to serve the world? Because you don't want to settle. You only have one life. It's like settling in a relationship. People want to get married, so they just settle, but they live in a miserable relationship. You only have one life, and you're here for a reason. Your job is to find that reason. How? Follow what your feelings are. Feelings are the language of the soul. So the feelings are telling you, these neurochemicals are saying, look, I'm really curious about horse racing. I mean, people might go, well, that's a weird thing. But all of a sudden, if you start to say, I'm really passionate about grooming horses and all of a sudden you start to get a job at a stable and you decide you're going to be the best stable boy there is and most people would hate doing that i'm just making all this up of course but you're following a commitment to excellence and what i've discovered is that anything done with excellence will lead you directly to your sole purpose boom that's it that's it and that's why and man this is bringing up such a beautiful i've always found that like when you do stuff that lights you up when you actually practice self-love as a mm-hmm. concept, like when you honor mm-hmm. yourself, you are actually honoring others. Like, because the things that light you up are the thing, the things that come easy to you, the things that you love doing are actually the things that benefit people the most. That's exactly right. When you're doing things that lighten you up, that's the path to enlightenment. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about the spiritual goal of enlightenment is not becoming a saint or holier than thou or perfecting yourself because that ain't real. What it really is, is lighting, doing things that light you up with people like Blue, like you, like you and I met, and we we're like, bam, you know? Yep. But we were with 12 other people, and it was like, bam. Right. Right, because we were with, we found our tribe. Why is that? Because at a scientific level, the law of sympathetic resonance says that like attracts like. So we were not in that room by accident, even though we'd never met. We were sharing the same vibrational field, and vibrationally, the law of vibration and attraction is bringing us together. When you're doing what you love doing, you're going to do it really well. If you're not doing it well, it's not for you. If it's for you, you'll do it well because you have natural motivation. You don't have to manufacture it. You hit the life lottery and you'll be drawing through that vibratory pattern of doing what you love. You'll be drawing the people that most need that to you. Now, when we can take it and do it, 
by not using labor doctrine, which is the old 20th century model, but actually use computer doctrine to scale the reach of our message. Now, everybody could literally become a billionaire because if you created $1 of value for everybody on the planet and got that message out to a billion people, you're a billionaire. So I want to bring it back down to, because that sounds like such a simple thing to do, but you and I both know that's not necessarily always easy. And it's because there's this pesky little thing called fear, yep. right? Fear either keeps people from trusting the fact that they have the abilities and they have the, the, the know-how and they can actually go do the things that they, they can actually live a life of passion and purpose. For anybody listening, even like, what would you instruct or, or, or show, or maybe even like what perspectives would you share that can allow them to sort of change their relationship with the fears that are stopping them from leaning in with curiosity? Yeah. Well, the first thing around fear is, you know, looking at the the basic gist of all spiritual work is that I'm a human being, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, mm. not a human being trying to become spiritual, trying to find my soul purpose. I'm actually, you know, the law of conservation of energy says energy cannot be created nor destroyed. The energy of life is in this body and in that body and all the other bodies that are here. That energy of life cannot be killed or destroyed. It is unkillable. It's the spirit or the soul. And so when you start to reconcile and change your thinking from, I'm a human being having a spiritual experience to I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And part of that humanity is living in a body that has a reptilian brain that for survival's sake will be fearful and start to make friends with fear. Mm. Fear is actually a friend. Fear is not a bad thing. And every emotion Every action is sponsored by one of two sponsoring energies, either fear or love. Both are necessary to soul purpose. Fear is the natural energy of protection. You need food, clothing, water, shelter, air, warmth. You ain't going to survive if you don't have them. So you have fear when you don't have those things, right? But as you accomplish those things more and start to follow what you love, by following what you love, your curiosity, your passion, your purpose, how can I serve someone? Who is doing what I want to do right now? Let me go study with them. Let me invest with them. Now I'm not expending money, which is an expense dollar, but I'm investing money in myself. And I believe everybody here is worth it. When you start doing that, you'll learn that you create great value in this world and you stop proving worth and focus on providing value. And as you provide that value, you start to gain momentum. And as you make this investment in yourself, you spend compound interest. I worked with a coach recently, and the entry fee to work with this coach is $50,000. And it was so great, and I learned so much knowledge, and my business grew so much, and I made so much more money that I invested in my whole team taking his training. So it was probably $75,000 all in, and I'll tell you right now, I made 4x from that. And I served a lot more people. So that's where we start to practice this new business model of conscious capitalism in which we're recognizing if I don't feel fear about this thing, it may not even be worthy. (laughs) Mm. Right? Because I've made friends with fear and all I'm looking to do is get what I call a yes, yes, hell no. I love that. I, I love that if I'm not afraid of it, it may not even be worthy. That's right. And you, you said something earlier, actually, said this very blanketly, but I think it's mm-hmm. worth actually diving into. You said, I think everybody's worth it. Why? Mm-hmm. 
because one of the greatest gifts, you know, the Buddha said, it is a great gift to be born a human being. The angels honor you because they don't have free will. They're doing the bidding of the creator. You have free will. You can fuck it up. What's the gift in fucking it up? Well, learning that you can also succeed mm-hmm. in your sole purpose. You know, you, you never cr- climb the mountain without crossing the valley. We have to have these dualities to really honor something. You know, Neil Wall said in conversations with God, in the absence of that which is not, that which is, is not. Meaning in the absence of the ego self, the God self isn't worth achieving, not in physical form. In the absence of poverty, prosperity has no value. In the absence of sickness, health has no value. In the absence of that which is not, that which is, is not. And so to really understand love, which is the currency that we're all playing, it's the game we're all playing. You know, he and she who love the most win. You know, we're doing this because we kind of like fell in love. Now, not romantic love, but love and honoring the gift of you in my life, me in your life, and what we can do together to help. So much, Steve. I, I said this earlier when, before we got started. I have no idea what rabbit hole I want to take you down. And there's like 16 now. So good, sir. You are uh, baffling me in the moment. Because um, <laughs> I, I want to I keep going down the, the path of really understanding and befriending fear. Mm-hmm. Because I, and, and I want to paint that, that worthy cause, right? Like that worthy struggle. Because I think most people are, are shying away from leaning into their fear because of discomfort. Yeah. So how have you taught or even in your own life sort of changed your relationship with discomfort? Yeah. And, and, and how can anybody listening really learn to, to change their a lens, maybe have a different lens on discomfort so that they can begin seeing themselves as the hero in their own story? Because that's inherently what you need to believe in order for you to even say, hey, you know what? I am worthy enough to go after these things that are hard. Like you have to believe that your story and your life is significant. So like, how can, like, what's the shift that anybody listening needs to have in order for them to actually believe that and feel that at a visceral level? That resistance actually means there's something important for you to learn, right? So I'm in this coaching program with this friend of mine. His name is Brian Wetton. He's a terrific coach, lives in, out in L.A. Oftentimes, he would say something to me like I was speaking at a big uh, event, you know, the, the international life insurance agents of the world, every owner of a life insurance company. And there's three main platform speakers, and I'm honored enough to be asked to speak on this platform. So I write this speech, and I send it to him, and he reads it. And he says to me, you have to rewrite the speech because I wanted to be more this, that, that, that. And I'm like, I don't want to rewrite that speech. And he goes, are you res- resisting? And I said, yeah, but every time I've learned, Brian, that when I'm resisting something, that means there's something there for me to learn. And so when I rewrote the speech and it went terrific and it really helped boost my career to the next level. But so when you're feeling resistance, it means that fear is rearing its ugly head. Now, maybe it's something obvious you shouldn't do, right? If you got resistance, you know, someone's, you know, asking you to do something, you know, is the unsafe and immoral and illegal, don't do it, right? But if it's something that you're feeling resistance around, remember the first principle of soul purpose is this. I practice hard easy. Hard easy is a principle, not a law. Laws are inviolable. Principles can be violated, which is why most people aren't successful. They violate the principle. Hard easy says this, every second I make a decision, 
If I'm willing to take what appears to be the hard path, I make the rest of my life easy. Meditating every day, that's hard. Eating right every day, that's hard. Exercising every day, that's hard. Being kind to yourself when the ego's barking and telling you what a schmuck you are, that's hard. All these things are hard. But boy, do they make the rest of your life easy. So when you see the resistance, if you're willing to practice hard easy as a one degree shift, we want to chunk hard easy down to a one single simple thing that can make you say, today I practiced hard easy. For instance, I didn't get much sleep last night, but I still meditated this morning. Because I know meditation is really, really important for me to stay in my higher self. When I'm in my higher self, I'm in flow. When I'm in my lower self, I'm in fear. And I don't flow very well. And what we're doing doesn't work very well. And I'm sure you have experience of that, right? Yeah. Flow is something that I am optimizing my life for in the moment. And if it doesn't feel, but I'm actually going the opposite route now. Like I'm like, if it doesn't feel easy, it's not the right time. Mm -hmm. But that's also because I have done the hard work. I have put in the hours. I have invested in doing the hard things and I've and I've, and I've done enough now to where I can actually distinguish between the voice of intuition, which yep. to me feels like it's, it's like a, it, it jumps me a lot faster versus the sure. voice of my mind that is logical, that sees things, that's, that's using the senses that are at my purview to make decisions. And I think that's actually a bigger, a really big issue in the world. I, I don't think people can distinguish between the voice of intuition and the voice of fear. Of course, right? in Miracles calls it the voice of God, right? The Holy Spirit. Right. Hinduism calls it the Atman. Buddha called it the Buddha mind. You see it in all these spiritual disciplines. You know, the reason you talk that we talk about spirituality and soul, you know, let's distinguish that your mind, your ego thinking mind, that the ego is the thinking mind. That is your lower self. You know, and we, you know, the beauty of the Freudian concept that came down through Carl Jung, who said, mm. you have a higher self. I call that the God self. That's your intuition, your imagination, your inspiration your intention, your life purpose, that's your God self. It's always talking to you. Question isn't, is it talking to you? It's who's listening to it. Right. Then there's the voice of the ego. That's usually coming from fear, doubt, worry, and scarcity that usually blots it out. So when you remove fear, and that's, I'm really, I love the distinction, the God's voice, and then the person who's listening. Mm Because technically the ego is the one that's listening. So the ego isn't necessarily the enemy. It's the lens of fear or the learned behaviors of fear that stop the ego from actually listening to God's voice and acting in the direction of that voice with courage or with faith yes. or with love. And, and, and right. what you said, right? It's love versus yeah. fear. So it, it may be, and, and that is maybe the journey, the human experience is going, taking everything that's based in fear and, and, and showing yourself because you're worth it, because you are worthy of, of, of the truth, which is that, there is no, like fear is not real. And, and love is the baseline of this human experience. Well, I'm going to disagree with you to one point. Beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you the whole way up until fear is not real. Okay. Okay. There's two aspects of fear. Fear is based in love. Are called, I call them concerns. Okay. For instance, when my daughter, my middle daughter, I have two daughters. My middle daughter was riding down this long driveway on training wheels and she's riding towards the street. And I'm like, ah! And I run down the driveway real quick and I pull her off to the side. Was I afraid? You bet. But was it a fear based in love? You bet. That's a healthy. Great distinction. Yep. Okay. 
Now, the fear that most of us think of through the acronym false evidence appearing real, right? F-E-A-R. That's where hard easy comes in. That's where you have to say, this is hard because my biochemistry is telling me you're in unfamiliar territory right now. Be on guard. And this is where we have to make friends with our ego. We have to understand that our ego is our bodyguard. It's like the junkyard dog at 12 o'clock at night, right? A leaf blows by, ding, right? Runs to the leaf, right? Ding, the edge of the chain. Its neck's almost broken, right? It cannot distinguish a real threat from a perceived threat. That's why we meditate. We're meditating because you're identifying, you get out of the amygdala, which is your reptilian brain here. You get out of the emotional limbic midbrain, you get out of the executive brain, and you get into the etheric brain called the aware mind. The aware mind. And the aware mind is when you're in meditation, you're looking down on the thinking mind and you see fear and love. Is this thing I'm afraid of a threat to my body right now? If it is, handle it. That's a good thing. But if it's that 95% bullshit conversation about yes. what happens if they reject you and what happens if you lose $100 and what happens if you don't use it and all that F-E-A-R, which is 95% of the time, big action. I, oh, that's so good. I love the fear based in love because that's, that's such a good, and that's such a good distinction. And, and one of the most profound ways that, and one of the most important ways that you can love yourself is start to actually observe your fears. Like that is actually the greatest act of self-love. Like, so, and I love that distinction because it does then allow you to begin showing compassion towards your fear. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to separate myself and look at this fear as if it's a child, as if it's, it's an older, a younger version of you that's acting up without reason, without really knowing all the details and that's running on, on, sub, on a subconscious level, which is actually what all of our fears are. Our fears are all really created when we're children, when we don't have the prefrontal cortex to really develop the logic and to see everything. It's just these loops that are, that are running without our awareness. And so when we can make the choice after the commitment to our worthiness, like we are, I'm worthy. I'm going to look at this fear that's stopping me from living into my passions, that's living into my purpose. I'm going to look at these fears and actually ask myself, are they true? And that is the greatest act of self-love. And I just love that you, that was so important. I, I'm so glad you called me out on that because that, 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 that I think is, to me at least, even for my life, brings so much more context to a relationship with fear, which is what we're all trying to develop. Like it is that, that journey of building a healthier relationship with fear, recognizing that it has its role, but 95% of the time, it is bullshit. That's right. And the 95% of the time are the fears, false evidence appearing real. The other 5% of the time are F-E-A-R, face each anxious reality. Mm. Do what you got to do, man. Face it, right? Like I've been traveling a lot. I know you've been traveling. I haven't really stopped traveling and all the COVID thing. Yeah, me neither. And I've just made the commitment. I invest in myself, but I'm really smart about it. I'm, you know, I fly a Delta. I'm a frequent flyer on Delta. Right. I fly first class. I board the plane last. I get off first, you know? And when people are disrespectful and, they, and they'll crowd each other, I let them go, go, get good. You're going to let me go and we can maintain six feet? Cool. I'm not angry about it. I get it. You know, when they say, make sure you sit down before the row in front of you, until the row in front of you has left the plane, please don't get up. Nobody's listening. But I'm not angry about that. It's just human nature. But I'm not participating in that group think mindset. 
right? I'm respecting my body. I'm not getting COVID. I haven't gotten COVID. I'm not going to get it. I've flown 10 times yeah. in the last year. I want to feel each anxious reality. That to me is a face. Each face. anxious reality, yeah. Or feel. Um, or feel. Well, which, if you're going to face it, you'll feel it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they're both hand in hand in, 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 in that, in that conversation. You love the shirt. Well, and I love it. <laughs> So in that, in that, I, I want to touch on a, the topic that, that I don't think it's talked about enough in Western culture and the anxious reality that one day we are going to die. And it's bringing my awareness to the truth that, you know, those 5% of fears are all sort of driven around that protective nature of like, is this thing going to kill me? Yeah. Right. And I have found personally. The answer is yes. Life is terminal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Something is going to kill you. Right. Like, like that's the thing. Like, and that's, that's the thing that doesn't get talked about. Like Western culture, most human beings are spending their entire lives running away from the one thing, avoiding yeah. thinking about the one thing that you literally cannot avoid. And then we wonder why there are mental health issues, why yeah. we're, why we're so frantic all the time. But I have found by not calling in, but acknowledging the fact that I'm going to die one day and really feeling that like one of the things I've actually been really leaning into are, are grief meditations and, and, and really meditations around like the idea of like, you know, one day I am going to die. And, yeah. and if I can actually feel that fear and, and allow myself to do it, it actually makes all of the other anxious realities not really matter. That's right. Like everything else kind of just like, like once you feel the mother, like, like the mother of all, fears, it makes my day-to-day -day reality much more exciting, much more calm. And it, and it kind of almost like brings down the other 95. Have you found, do you have anything to share on Great. that? And, and no, I just love what you said. I mean, I think you said some brilliant things. You know, Wayne Dyer, I was opening many, many years ago as a musician for Wayne Dyer. And he was a great teacher to me and just beautiful guy. We corresponded and he was just an amazing guy. And he said something like, you know, if you live well, you'll die well. Mm. You know, if you start recontextualizing death, death is transformation, right? You were, you're this life force energy somehow in this body. I don't know the process. That's the domain of the gods, right? But, right. And so now the life force energy is in, is in this body. And then one day this life force energy will leave this body and it creates a curiosity and an urgency to live fully. I think of the definition of love. One of my great teachers shared with me a definition that was something like choosing to be the greatest expression of your higher self, because that means living your fullest life. You only got one this time around. Mm. I mean, for those of you that live and believe in reincarnation, and I do, but you're only going to be in this form, Raj, one time around. May as well make the most of it. Yep. This body is, is here. And I think about this one a lot recently. It's just, at least for me, I always, I think a lot of people are trying to get to that soul level, right? Like, again, you're a human body trying to meet the soul, but when you flip it, it's like, your soul actually chose this body for a reason. There's a reason why your soul, your higher self was like, you know what? I want that body with those arms and that brain and those fears and those unique, that unique combination, that cocktail of brilliance that is your human experience. Like the soul chose you for a reason. And one of my favorite movies right now is a, is a little Pixar movie called Soul. I don't know if you've seen it. I did um, see it. It was terrific. It was terrific. And, you know, that's... Just, Around the Mexican-Spanish theme, was it? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. The, 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 oh, my God. If you haven't seen this one, Steve, like, just make it a priority. Tell me. Yeah, I will. But I thought I saw it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't when no, the guy it's about, died. It's about a, it's about a, a guy who... Um, he's, he's a, a human musician, being. right? Musician. Musician. Yeah, uh, but they're, they're from Mexico, right? No, no. That's not Seoul. That's another one. What is it, Josh? Coco. 
Coco. Sorry. Coco was okay. amazing too. I loved Coco. Coco was brilliant. Coco I gotta was brilliant. watch Soul now. I've been watching. You have it. to see Soul. Soul was one of my favorite movies, and the whole premise of the movie, just in a nutshell, is like this guy. He's a musician. He finally gets his big break, but on his way to like getting his big break, he dies. He steps into a pothole and dies. Oh, and, that's right. I saw that one too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and so like, it's, it's this idea that like, you know, our souls need to have a body to experience something that they can't experience as a soul. Yes. Right. And there's, and there's something special about our lives. Like, doesn't matter if you're, doesn't matter what you're doing. There's like, you were, your soul chose your body for a reason. And right. if you become aware of that truth, it just creates so much uh, a richer, more loving, more harmonious relationship with all of the different things that may be causing suffering or maybe causing pain to the things that may be. Unless somebody doesn't like their physical form. Mm. Talk about that. Well, you know, acceptance of oneself. So you and I were talking about this model that I talk about the stairway of selves. Seeing purpose in all things is very difficult. You know, what is the purpose and the, the, the lesson out of the insurrection at the Capitol? You know, what is the lesson, right? There's lessons in all these things. If we come from a place before that says, I am in this body, not just for a reason, but the specific presentation of this body for a reason. What am I here to learn, right? Because some people are born in bodies that are, you know, I have a dear friend who has Down syndrome and she's on her sole purpose. She's amazing. But that's a different presentation right. of right someone showing up, there's a lot of people struggling with mental health issues right now. That's another presentation. The body you're in has meaning. You have to first embrace and accept that it has meaning. And you have to really ask your God self, what is the meaning of this? And start to learn, for instance, a lot of people are going through depression right now up north. We have seasonal affective disorder. We have all this political turmoil. We have the racial situation going on in the world. We have a new presidency. We have the pandemic, right? People are going through a lot. Right. So the first thing is, you, if you start to say, you know, what is the lesson behind this thing? What am I here to learn by being in this body? What am I learning about this body? What am I learning about my talents? What am I learning about my weaknesses? Because we all have them. So when you start to embrace my time of birth, my date of birth, my family of birth, my geography that I'm born in, the spirituality I was born into, you know, the Dalai Lama said, if you're born, someone said to him, tell me about the religion of Buddhism. He says, I don't know anything about the religion of Buddhism. It's not a religion. Well, he goes, what if someone's born a Christian? He said, I suggest you stay with that. <laughs> he said, you know, whatever avatar you're born under, right? There's a reason you chose that avatar because each avatar brings something unique that you need to learn from that body, right? If you're born into Islam, you know, one of the great teachings of Islam is remembrance of God, right? Zikr. If you're born into Hinduism, one of the great teachings of Hinduism is the power of non-attachment. Yeah. If you're born into Christianity, one of the great teachings of Christianity, which is violated left and right by most Christians, is non-judgmental behavior of others, non-judging other people and loving them through forgiveness and non-judgment. So to accept oneself as is, especially if you don't like who you are or don't like the way you look or don't like your body, that's really important because you're here to help other bodies that may look like you prove that soul purpose is still just as important for you. You bring something to this world that's even more important than maybe anything I bring or anything Roger will bring over his life. Man, you're bringing a really... One of the biggest things I pulled from you know, our time in Mexico is when we, we met that elder from the Mayan, 
I mean, powerful, right? I mean, what a wow. powerful experience just meeting yeah. an elder. And that was the first time I've ever met like a, like a spiritual elder like that. And amazing. You know, one of the biggest things he, one of the biggest pieces of advice he gave me was to, you know, go back to my roots. And I think there's something so powerful in what you mentioned around, you know, yes, we have agency and we have choice over what we want to do with our lives, what religion we want to follow, what path we want to carve. And there's something really beautiful in acknowledging the fact that you were born this way and you were born with a set of beliefs, a set of circumstances, a sort of bodily gifts and, 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 or even just, you know, actualities like what you were born with and even where you were born into. I think there's, there was so much wisdom in, in him saying, you know, go back to your roots, really understand, you know, where you were born, where your family came from, study the heritage and the culture. And I, and as you said, you know, with Hinduism, non-attachment, I've found for me personally, like my greatest growth is practicing non-attachment, a non-attachment to the outcome, letting go of all expectations of love, of, of really everything. Like it's rewriting those patterns that traditionally in Indian culture are very much attached to a way of being. It's rewriting all of that. And I'm finding a lot of joy and growth in that journey and being able to share that lesson and those journeys. You know, I started doing monthly reflections on the podcast where I'm sharing all my lessons and, and I'm realizing as you're saying this, it's just, it's, it's sparking that tone where maybe it's not as hard. Maybe we don't have to find why we're here. We get to just experience it. Well, at some point in the story of selves, not only you come into the experiencer as you practice acceptance, but then you go beyond the experiencer to the witness. And the witness is the witness of your thoughts, the witness of life. Yeah. And as you're the witness, you'll see that this is what flow is. I believe, you know, we, we've studied flow, you and I. I think of flow as fully letting omnipotence work, F-L-O-W. In other words, something's coming through me. Like you and I said, we talked about a, a business situation for you right. that you're practicing non-attachment. It's a beautiful thing, but it's still, right? You have yeah. to be non-attached, but you have to steward it, right? You have to right. steward it, which is beautiful. But, you know, when you're thinking about flow, what, what's coming through me is something bigger. When you watch LeBron James play basketball, or Yo-Yo Ma play the cello, or Ariana Grande sing, or any great teacher, right? You're seeing something bigger is happening through them. They're in the flow of their soul purpose. They've moved beyond just the experiencer into the witness. And that's why the witness is really humble because the witness knows the great truth. Nobody I'm not doing a damn thing. Knows. Yep, I'm not, that's do right. I'm not doing a damn thing. <laughs> That is so good. I, I have been, I'm so glad you said that. You know, when I, when I said flow earlier for me, like, you know, if it's not easy, I'm not leaning in. And I really feel like it's because the less I do, the less I'm allowing what's flowing through me, the more I'm aligning myself with what's already happening. Instead of trying to make things happen, I'm observing an opportunity that feels very easy for me to step into. And because I've done enough work to not like I've done enough work to, on my fears and I've built a healthy relationship with my fears. Like when something comes up, a voice comes up, it's like, don't trust how easy that is. Don't, it can't be that easy. Oh, it can't just be like, I'm like, that voice doesn't exist for me anymore. So I'm like, yeah. it is that easy. I'm just going to lean yeah. in. And that allows flow to like the universe to actually allow creation to happen in a way that I can't actually do on my own. And I I think that that's a beautiful place to sort of like bring the conversation back where 
when you do the work, when you choose yourself, when you honor that journey of doing the hard easy, and when you change that relationship with fear and you actually follow your curiosities and you develop those passions and you're leaning into service, things will begin to flow. Yeah, they will. Right? And you're going to get autonomy and you're going to practice mastery, which are the final the five pieces of scaling your biology for sole purpose are curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy. Really important because ultimately, if you're living inherited purpose, you're not free. Ooh. Ooh. But if you're living sole purpose, you're free. Wow. You have autonomy. Uh, touch on that for a second. Yeah, inherited purpose, right? People that go to a job hate the friggin' job. You know, don't want to be around the folk working that job because they all hate it too. So their egos are all in, you know, negative energy and they feel hostility and resentment is justified. Everyone's gossiping, backstabbing, you know, the five dysfunctions of a team, right? Nobody's disagreeing disagreeably. You know, everyone's just, it's all, it's, it's a facade and you're living a fake life. Now, if we add to that, you know, poisoned food, poison water, broken down political system, and you can see why people are freaking out. So what's the cure to that? Curiosity, passion, purpose. These will lead you to getting into your flow and finding your own autonomy because dollars follow value. When you're doing what you love in service to a tribe of people to identify your target market, but your tribe, mm -hmm. right? When you're doing that, dollars, you're creating great value for them. Dollars follow value. And so that's why you and I are conscious capitalists, why we love the version of capitalism that is enlightened, which is conscious capitalism, right? Unconscious capitalism is crony capitalism. And that's been on full display for 100 years. I think we all know that doesn't work. So that's why we're, we're really talking about if you're living an inherited purpose and you hate it, you don't have to live that. And what do you do? Don't go quit your job. Don't jump off the cliff. Okay, here's what you do. Look at what am I, if I jumped out of every bed every day and did, to do this thing, I'd be going, yay, what is that thing? Where are you strong? Where do you have exceeding curiosity and passion? How can you purposefully serve somebody by doing that thing? If somebody is already doing that purposeful service and making money, invest in yourself by studying what they're doing. They're your teacher. Go find out what they're doing. That's why how I wound up first studying Wayne Dyer, but then sharing the stage with Wayne Dyer. Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Jack Canfield, Barbara Marks Hubbard, on and on. They were all my teachers at first. I took their courses, bought their books. I want to just touch on, I think, a really important point because my journey was a little different. Like I mm -hmm. went from employee to entrepreneur and I actually made the mistake of asking myself what I loved. What did I love? Not what I love mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. Very different. <laughs> so like I asked myself, Good what do I love? At the time I was like, I love beer. And I love drinking beer with my friends. Mm -hmm. And so I should be in the brewery industry. And so <laughs> I, like my first venture was trying to build a software product for breweries. And I let my passions blind me from the realities of what that would actually mean. Like, what does that work mean? It wasn't until mm -hmm. I got clear on a purpose, like, why am I doing what I'm doing at that stage? And then from there, find things in my life that excited me. Like I loved learning. Like I was very passionate about learning. I was very passionate about seeing how I can, seeing if I could take $1 and make it into two. Like there were yep. things that I was passionate about that the vehicles I was passionate about, the hows that I was passionate about that then led me to being a successful entrepreneur. It wasn't just what I loved. It was what I well, loved. What was that distinction again? Because I think that's really important for people to hear. 
Yeah, it wasn't. It's not just what you're 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 passionate about. It's what you're passionate about doing. Yeah, because action is that's the thing about Hinduism I love as well. It's karma yoga, right? Yeah. The yoga of action. Yep. Like, and and I and I and I see so many people make the mistake. I'm like, oh, I'm so passionate about you know jumping out of planes. I'm so passionate about passionate about this thing. I'm like, oh, man, like you're you're passionate about these interests. You're passionate about all these things, but you're not tangibly taking that passion and turning it into something that you can use. And it's more than that. It's more than that. It's you're not taking something that can serve another human being to make their life better. Mm. This is the age of service. Let's get clear about it. So I belong to the Transformation Leadership Council, which is a think tank of highly successful authors, doctors, attorneys, business owners who get together twice a year and share ideas that are important ideas. Yeah. One of the ideas that's been shared repeatedly, which has made me come up with this theory that we are moving into the age of service. And Bob Dylan had a song about it. You're going to have to serve somebody, right? Which is, if your passion isn't serving another human being, then it's a hobby. And that's terrific. But it can't be a business. You got to earn in this world because money is an important spiritual undertaking. It really is. Money is to understand money is an important spiritual undertaking because it teaches us the law of reciprocity because money currency is a debt instrument and we're in debt to our forefathers. We're born into this world. They're feeding us food. They built highways. They put up telephone poles. They put up a, a government and all these amazing institutions I get to use to make my living. I didn't build this computer. So I'm in debt to them. I owe them something. If you look at this, even in spiritual terms, Jesus is called the redeemer because he's redeeming us in a way because we're in debt in a way to God. So you can look at it in a very odd terms. It's almost like economics, looking at religion from an economics term, you know? My God, Steve, I, uh, I feel like I could take this for another like six hours with you. Um, but we are getting close to the, I just want to respect your time. One, before we, I ask you the final question, wanted to honor you. Like this conversation was, was so rich and so meaningful and it touched on so many different topics that I think don't get talked about enough. And I just appreciate you and the work that you do and the, the service that you are embodying, like the life of service you're embodying by really sharing perspectives with you. the world. And I just want to honor you for that. And I uh, received if, that. If anybody, May I say something real quick? Real quick. Course. Yeah, yeah, please. I want to honor you because you are a different generation than me. Mm. And you are the like the torchbearer of this, right? Like you're going to outlive me. And what you're doing is so powerful. I just want you to know, I just so honor your walk. You know, Buckminster Fuller said that our children are our elders in universe time. So I honor you as my elder, you know what I mean? Wow. Because you came after me and you're going to be here after I'm gone. And you're carrying this torch in an amazing way as an enlightened entrepreneur who's reaching lots of people, you know, running five companies, doing a terrific job. So I really, just from the moment I, I met you, I just want you to know I honor your path. brother. Wow, Steve, that is, uh, I fully received that. And thank you. It means a lot coming from, from someone I respect as much as you. So thank you so much. Um, and it just brings actually a, a quick awareness for even myself like i'm in awe of the children that are entering this world like you know i've met seven to eight nine-year-old kids that are so brilliant and so tapped in and i just love that you said our children are the universe is like there's something really brilliant about that i just i love that so quickly 
you said so much here. If there was one resource that you could, you know, really send anybody listening to this podcast to, to learn more about how they can, you know, uncover their soul's purpose, what is that? What does that look like? So I'll just share this one piece, which is the sole purpose toolkit that we have. So we have a basic toolkit and an advanced toolkit. First, it's the book, The Prosperity Paradigm, which tells you how to make all the shifts we're talking about. There's a sole purpose meditations guide. There's a gratitude journal, because I think everybody listening to this knows how important gratitude is. There's a CD of meditation music and mantras that we created because I'm a musician and, and we just think that meditation is really aided by great music. And then there's an intention statement card that you can affirm each and every day about how to get on your sole purpose. And that's right there on the prosperity paradigm. That basic model is 99 bucks. And then there's the advanced model, which is $249. And that's everything in the basic, but you also get our year-long sole purpose online course, which you can take at your own speed. It's 12 lessons. You can do them in 12 weeks or you know, once a month. You get a mind scan assessment, which shows you where your cognitive bias are, where, and you get the sole purpose discovery test. And you also get to go over those with one of our coaches because we have many coaches at the Sole Purpose Institute. That's $249. Now, I'll tell you, if you were just going to do the sole purpose course, it's $249 by itself. Mm, yeah. So this is a really unique deal. So I just thought I'd put that out there. And I'll, I'll send you a link to this if you want to post it as well. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. And you know, for anybody just wanting to, again, you know, Steve is one of the, if you've listened to this episode, you realize that I'm a huge fan of Steve. And I, I mean, I, I just appreciate the way that he teaches how you can connect with your calling with your soul. So if anything resonated on this episode, please go check out the links. We'll make them all available in the show notes. Um, Steve, I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've done, everything you're doing and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Wake up every day, greet this day with love in my heart. Mm. Make sure that I'm eating right, meditating, not taking anything personally, because to me, everything's just a test and a lesson. And be around really good people that know a lot more than me that make me look good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's, a, that's one that I'm, I'm consistently leveraging by having this podcast and having wonderful, wonderful people like yourself come on and grace my presence. So thank you so much, Steve. Again, Thanks, really Raj. appreciate you appreciate having you. here. Everybody listening, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Steve. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.